Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. We've got the show's namesake, BJ Shea. No, we don't. No. He's not here. He's on assignment. Where'd he go? I have no idea. I thought he was here. That was a great tease. Even I was convinced. <laughs> and running the boards is Joey D's. Welcome. Uh, on today's show, I will talk with Gareth von Kallenbach about video game and movie news. And that'll take a lot of time. And then we'll get to the geek sheet with Vicky B. Yes. Yeah. So have a lot of stuff, Vicky. Get ready for that. Yes. And if you want to get a hold of us, uh, how can they do so? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. It's going to have our blogs, podcasts, and more. more. Or just search BJ Shades Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes to find us. I have those. Yeah, exactly. Me too. We all have those. I think, right? Well, Maybe. I know one person that I has them. <laughs> well, that one person being Mr. Gareth Von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. Now, we didn't do it on Friday because we want to talk about the boys and kind of get real geeky with all that. But we've got some video game and movie news. Gareth Von Kallenbach joins us from Skewed and Reviewed. That is SKNR.net. And some big video game news just dropped, uh, especially with Call of Duty. Yes, yeah, so we got Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and that's uh, been announced for a while. And what's interesting is we got the multiplayer reveal, and they did a really nice segment, and they were very quick to show that it was uh, running on a PS5, the footage they were showing, mm. which ties in with their first look deal. And, of course, we got to look at the new multiplayer modes, the returning classics. We got to look at some of the maps, and everything looks really good. They talked in great detail about the customization of the weapons and how you can really, you know, go into the gunsmithing and crazy stuff like that. And then they dropped uh, some news about like a new mode known as fire team. And they talked about how there'll be things that you like as well as new things. And then of course, everybody in the chat uh, kept saying, where's the zombies? Where's the zombies? <laughs> I was about they to ask you that. It. And then <laughs> they just showed a gun. They showed a gun going around in pitch blackness with a flashlight, and we're like, what the hell is this? And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a zombie. <laughs> but that's all they would say about it. All right. I'm glad they have that because it's an amazingly popular uh, uh, format or mode to play uh, in Call of Duty. Right. And the nice thing about it is I actually just got a confirmation on this uh, the other day is that as we've spoken, the game will have cross-play, which means that it doesn't matter what you're playing it on, you can oh. play with anybody. They introduced this in modern warfare so ps4 pc xbox all play together and they've also said we're even going to have the full cross gen where ps5 ps4 xbox one and one x uh you know all of it you if you're playing black ops you're going to be able to play online against anybody else who has black ops now here's where it gets really interesting my rapid activision said oh yeah we're going to have that enabled for the betas Ooh. Wow. So if you are going to pre-order or get into the beta, which the PS4 one is October 8th and October 15th, the Xbox and the PC ones come out. They run till I believe about October 19th or 20th. Hmm. They're going to have cross play enabled. So regardless of what you're playing on, you'll be able to try it out. And I think that's going to be a really nice selling point. Now, the one thing that's interesting for me on that aspect, and I remember back in the day when they tried to do crossplay with Shadowrun, uh, the game was the big problem was the disparity between using a controller versus keyboard and mouse. Uh, are they going to address that or is it just kind of free for all and deal with it yourself on that? 
You know, it's a that's an excellent question. When they adopted that to modern warfare, I thought this was going to be an issue. Now, playing on a PC, I can't address the other players. I have not seen anybody been dominant. When you get into okay. a map, it tells you, like, this person's PS4, this one's Xbox, this is PC. I've not seen an example of one particular group dominating over the others. I can tell you I've seen a lot of console players seem to have no problem at all, and many of them have actually been near the top of the board. So my mm. first thought was when I first started playing the game, I thought it seems a bit slower. And I thought, okay, is this to compensate for the console people? But then after a few patches, no, it was moving you know, full speed, just like you expect in Call of Duty. And that has been a constant thing is I'll sit there and I'll look at it and go, you know, if you learn to play, you learn to play. And that's just <laughs> the weird thing about it is I yeah. can't play with the game pads, uh, this type of game, but yet, you know, those people are running circles like crazy. So it seems to be well balanced. Right on. That's a, that's a good thing to see. And I feel that, yeah, if it had been a bigger issue with modern warfare there, I would have heard a lot more about that. So that's good to know on that. Uh, moving on from that though, Borderlands three's got some DLC, right? Correct. The fourth and supposedly final DLC. Now, of course, this is just the fourth of the announced DLC. As we all remember from Borderlands 2, they announced it. There were four DLCs, and then down the line, some other things came out, but they were more like, instead of buying a package or four, it was, hey, here's a special Halloween-themed DLC. It's available, that sort of thing. So, you know, and then they had the free one right before uh, three came out, but this mm-hmm. one is interesting. We're going to get a run through Krieg, the Psycho. So, and it, it's got a great title here: it's Psycho Krieg and the Fantastic Fuster Cluck. <laughs> I almost had to bleep you there, dude. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I was really careful about that one. Make sure. Not. And the the great thing about this is that I've really enjoyed the game since it came out. I've you know. Some people, people just have to find something to gripe about. I've enjoyed all the Borderlands games. I've found myself really getting into this one uh, more so. Before 3 came out, I went and played the first Borderlands game as I realized I had never completed it fully and all the DLC, so played the enhanced version, had played all of the two and the pre-sequel, everything like that. And the great thing about it is not only does it set up the future of the game universe, you j- it's one of those games that I don't want to stop playing. The moment I <laughs> get into a new DLC, uh, the last one, I uh, really enjoyed, but I my first thought was, wow, this was shorter than the two previous ones that came before it, or at least it seemed that way. Maybe I got through it faster. And so that's kind of where I'm at. So it's, it's kind of bittersweet. I'm looking at it going fantastic more borderlands 3 to play and then you go wow this is going to be it for a while yeah i think i need to go back i always get uh sidetracked on all the side quests i need to go back and finish the game and then do a thorough one especially if this is going to be you know the quote-unquote last dlc uh it'll be fun to kind of go through and see how far i can get before i get really mad at the game (laughs) exactly now finally we've got some movie news what the hell's going on dude Okay, so this is kind of crazy. As uh, you may know, in various parts of the country, theaters have started opening. They have them uh, open down here, some of them, but it's it's very uh, strict rules. You have things like, for example, you can't be more than 40% full. There has to be spacing, plexiglass, all of that. 
none of them are 40% full. I can tell you that they had a, uh, in-person screening for the first time since March for the press at a, uh, a movie that's coming out recently. And one of the staff said they wanted to go, they gave them the option. Do you want an online screener in person? And she went and she said, literally, there were nine people in the entire auditorium. Wow. Because even at it, what they started off with, press only, no guests, no general mm-hmm. public, no free passes. And then they kind of rolled it a bit saying, okay, we haven't had a huge response. If you want to bring a guest, you can't. She said, even then, nine people. So that gives you an idea. There were reports that Disney tried to screen new mutants and a lot of press said, absolutely not. I don't think it's, it's safe to go. So this is the problem that they're running into. Theaters are open. People are still unsure about going case in point tenant Warner brother rolled it out and you know, tenant, 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 this is going to be the return of the movie theaters. It did 20 million at the box office. Which is actually pretty good for this year, all things considered. Correct. But this is a film that many, you know, we talked in the past. This was the one that had to be available at 80% of the screens, had Mm -hmm. to be available in L.A. and New York, and that's iffy right now, so on and so forth. So the plan is what they call legs in the industry. It will just stay in theaters. And it will make up its money as time goes. You know, the thinking All right, yeah. two to three weeks, people may be more comfortable trying a movie, maybe in a month, maybe two months. So I looked at the calendar and I said, okay, well, mostly a lot of art and independent films coming out between then. Probably an interesting premise. Um, you know, and it's a big movie out there. You're not going to have any competition for a while. Let's see where it is in November. It's doing decent overseas. So, there you have it. Now, by contrast, the New Mutants is absolutely tanking at the box office. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've heard. I, I heard even Maisie Williams quote t- tweeted uh, the uh, "It's the worst Marvel or the worst." Uh, I think yeah, maybe like comic book Marvel movie ever. And she's like, "Well, no better other reason than to go see it now, right?" <laughs> exactly. Well, you knew when Disney took it over, and it basically they told them you got to remove all references to the greater X-Men universe and set it up not to be a sequel that gave you a clue what they thought about it. You know, they, yeah, they inherited that in dark Phoenix and basically realized, Oh man, this, this is not going to work. Well, (laughs) the problem with this is you have a trickle down effect. Speaking of marble, uh, they've got black widow due out in November. You've got Dune announced. And then of course, wonder woman's supposed to come out in October. And what we're hearing is, while the studios haven't made any decisions yet, we're hearing from people that it's extremely likely they may move those back because part of it is Ooh. coming back to tenant. They looked at it and said, okay, $20 million bucks, great for this time of year, but this is a movie that we need to make about, I've heard, seven, $800 million no! before it gets into the profitability range. That's not going to happen in this current box office. No way. Wow. And so the... The flip side, we get back to the legs thing. You know, Warner's saying, well, maybe if it stays in theaters for three months. This isn't like the summertime where every week there's a new blockbuster coming. And, you know, if a movie gets three, four weeks, it's a good run. Uh, Then, of course, you know, Star Wars films, it might run for months. So that's kind of what they're trying to do is look at what the 
bigger films do, that they can stay in the box office for months, continue to make money, and their thought is, and they also benefit from no other blockbusters against it. The problem is with these three films, they sit there and they say, right, these may not have that luxury. We're going to be getting into cold and flu season. People may be even more hesitant to go into the theaters. And, oh, yeah, if we put too many blockbusters, if we have, say, four blockbusters in theaters instead of three or two or one, someone's going to get it, if not all, because they cannot maintain the momentum in the theater. And then, of course, you have this huge nightmare of what do we do in 2021 with all the films that are supposed to start coming out? And then you're just going to be in this mess because you're going to get to a point where studios are going to say, we have to put this product out. But at the same time, we can't afford to put it out and hope it can stay in the theaters for three to four months to be profitable. So then, you you know, you're, you're back at that mess. Do you sit it on the shelf forever Do you put it on video on demand and run the risk of upsetting the theaters or do you put it out and just hope that it will find an audience and cut your losses that way? That is just, I mean, it's not looking good for all of it. I'm just, I hope that everybody can just get through this, recover and kind of deal with all of it. Who knows what's going to happen, but I know that you're going to keep your finger on the pulse with all that news and we need you for that. Thank you, Gareth. Again, that's Gareth von Kallenbach from Skewed and Reviewed. That's SKNR.net. Until next time, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you so much, Gareth. And now it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, what's on your geek sheet today? So one of the things, if you ask creators, whether they're musicians or, you know, movie makers or actors or whatever, you'll ask them, what is the meaning behind your art? Oh, yeah. And, a hard question sometimes. And it's, you know, a lot of people, I feel like, I mean, it could be a cop-out or it could be legit. I don't know. But they always say... You know, it is what you interpret it to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. However, there's some where there are some movies that people really just did not get it. <laughs> I, I, like I know a couple of those. I know some people right now. Uh, that's Tenant. <laughs> if oh, you've yeah. gone to the theaters and saw that. I have not. There's a lot of <laughs> articles out there. It's like, what did this mean? I don't know either. Basically, it's like the IGN thing is just like, well, uh, what did Tenant mean by its ending? And then I don't know. Well, some of it is like some movies are made to be analogies, like uh, Annihilation. We had yeah. seen. By the way, that movie f me up. Yeah, especially when it. I mean, it has to deal with uh, cancer and stuff, yeah. right? And yeah, and like if you really pay attention, it, it is that simple. But because it's such a beautiful movie and kind of creepy movie at the Hella same time, sometimes um, you're not really thinking about it being so simple. Mm-hmm. Still one of my picks for best movies of the year. Really? By far, yeah. Yeah, that was 2018. I Natalie go Portman, and that, yeah, great yeah. movie. It had a fantastic female cast. It had Tessa Thompson. And, is that uh, the one with the screaming bear? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that scene and I was like, I'm cool. Dude, that's so <laughs> many layers. I got through the movie. Okay, if Vicky did, can did get you, through it, I think I'll be fine. Did you not watch it all the way through? No. Dude, the ending messed me up. Okay. That, Annihilation and Arrival, those two movies. Oh, Jesus. yeah. But Benedict Wong is also in it. Oscar Isaac, Gina Rodriguez. It is just a phenomenal movie. And like I said, we'll mess you up. (laughs) (laughs) But that is not on the list. I do have a list from Crack.com of the 20 most misunderstood movies of all time. And I figured I'd just skip through more of the nerdier ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I'll see if there's like, uh, do you guys watch a lot of... um, I'm totally blanking on the name, like uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, anime? 
No, not anime. It's the specific Studio Ghibli. Yes, Studio okay. Ghibli movies. Yes. Grave of the Fireflies. Oh Jesus! Have you I ha- ever? I, I haven't seen it. Okay, have you ever seen Grave of the Fireflies, Joe? Is that the really depressing one about the kid and his sister? Yes. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that. Yeah, this movie. And I think it's absolutely necessary for you to watch and also understand that during this time was when America was bombing, firebombing Japan because of the war. And so have that, understand that as the backdrop. The movie will make you sob and bawl. If you think like Annihilation messed you up, mm-hmm. this thing absolutely worthwhile watching but you will be soul crushed well, I, I don't even know if i want to tell you what the director actually meant for it to mean oh christ okay here we go you want to okay yeah okay, okay. so the film is often <laughs> for those who haven't seen it like myself the film is often hailed as one of the greatest anti-war movies ever made to its due to its harsh depiction of two children living alone in japan during world war ii yes however the director iso takahara had been very critical of this analysis. He says the film is not at all anti-war anime and contains absolutely no such message. The actual message is that children need to learn to suck it up and deal with hard times and respect their elders who work hard. Uh, wow. The movie poster would um, generally disagree with that, uh, if only because when you enhance the like the grayscale, so you make so you can see everything, it shows the two little kids. You see all these fireflies that are beautiful and stuff. And but if you grayscale it, so you build basically bump up the gamma, you see that in the backdrop of the black is a fighter plane dropping some of those, and they're not all fireflies. Some of them are fire bombs. Right. You know, it wouldn't surprise me also if that was his message, but in the translation of wanting to sell it and make it profitable and stuff like that, that they kind that's, of took it in a different direction. That's a really solid point on that one, yeah. And I mean, sometimes the director's message is different from the writer's message. And I'm not going to, like, yeah, I can't say, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to say, your vision is wrong, you jerk. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not how that works. I, I understand where they're coming from, but most people have gotten something completely different from that. So. And dude, when I watched that movie, I got told nothing about it. I told, we're going to watch one of the best movies or, you know, animated movies I've ever seen. You're going to like it. And I'm like, I'm going to like it. All right. And it starts off. And I'm like, I don't see this getting better. No, like, <laughs> no. They're not going to no. make it out. <laughs> I watched it. I watched it when I was a security guard at work oh. in the middle of the night. Oh. Yeah. Let's just say I just got through the rest crying of the in the corner and just like at least I was by myself because I'm scared to go I got a sister I was like why are you showing me this <laughs> this is so traumatizing it is it really oh, is okay well let's move on to The Shining The Shinin Shinin was not so much about ghosts as it was the, about the destructive nature of alcohol. Absolutely. Jack Torrance's spiral into the crazy was caused by the hotel ghost giving him booze. Mm-hmm. Stephen King wrote the story during a time when he was struggling with alcoholism. And you will know that if you re- if you read the book or listen to it on audiobook. Um, it's more ambiguous when it comes down to Stanley Kubrick because it's Kubrick doing a movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times uh, he'll... He'll muddle messages uh, to kind of fit whatever he wants to do with the narrative. But it is uh, plain and simple, black and white when it comes down to the book. It's very much explained during the whole thing. All right. You think Robocop is a fun sci-fi cop filmic? No, it is not. It's a satire on the tyranny of all of uh, police actions and stuff. Very Funny enough, very no. Ind- what? Oh, It's actually... A Christian allegory. What? It's about a guy who gets crucified in the first 50 minutes and then is resurrected in the next 50 minutes. And then it's like the super cop of the world. All right. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I mean, I, I get where you're going with that. I do remember that scene where he's burning and thinking, wow, this is very interesting, well, very religious. Hey. Mm. Uh, how about Inception? Uh, Inception, I, I don't even want to try it because that's hard. It's not so much about the whole movie. It's the misunderstanding at the end. 
It says at the end of Inception, does the top fall over? Is it reality or is it Cobb still dreaming? According to the writer-director Christopher Nolan, those who have asked have totally missed the point. The point is that Cobb looks at it to his children. He no longer cares about the top, and neither should you. Oh, uh, okay. Also, I also read he talks about how the top is his wife's totem. Totem. Like that's her. That's her. You <laughs> know, everyone has a totem. If you've seen Inception, yeah. everyone has yeah. a totem to tell them if they are really in real time yeah. or if they're incepted or whatever. Um, but they said that his totem is actually his wedding ring. Which is interesting because everybody's uh, totem, which I found I was playing like a dumb little trivia game or something, everyone's totem is a game piece, like poker chips or a top or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. So it would be interesting that his would be uh, a wife at that point just because, yeah, like it would go against that. But if that maybe was just a red herring, something like, oh, I noticed this, but it's like, no, it actually means these things. That's And it's Christopher Nolan, man. Like he... He's known for, like we were just talking about Tenet, like Mm -hmm. deep thinking where you don't know what the F's going on. I mean, sometimes those are fun. Sometimes I just want to watch dumb stuff. Yeah. Uh, So do you guys know what uh, Atlas Shrugged is? No idea. Uh, That's the Ayn Rand. Yeah, I know. I remember Mark Ronner back in the old Spops used to uh, uh, basically rage against uh, Ayn Rand. (laughs) That's all I know of it. Sounds like Mark. Yeah. Uh, So Iron Man 2 is a cinematic retelling of Ayn Rand's objectivist opus Atlas Shrugged. So Atlas Shrugged's protagonist is a playboy, Hank Reardon, who got super rich by inventing a valuable metal alloy whose Mm. formula he continues to keep a secret. The government tries to forcibly take the rights to Reardon's alloy away from him. So the plot of Iron Man 2. Uh, well, <laughs> Iron Man 2, we don't need to worry about it. Also, right. Iron Man was already very rich. <laughs> right. He didn't need to invent anything. He just happened to do it. Uh, <laughs> so, what, so what, I mean, we're not really supposed to talk about it, but we're going to. Uh-oh, Fight, Fight Club. Club. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> when it was first released, Fight Club became one of the most controversial films of its time. And it was condemned for glorifying violence and was cited as the cause for the formation of many real-life Fight Clubs. Ironic, considering the film is a criticism of hypermasculinity, as Tyler Durden is not only the ideal masculine man, but also the film's antagonist and a psychopath that no one is supposed to relate to. Yeah, and that's the the the, the worst part about all of that is when you don't see it as that. And uh, it's like the meme going around. It's like if you think Tyler Durden or if you think Rorschach is a, a person to look up to, you viewed the medium wrong. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, you guys saw Drag Me to Hell? I did. That was a fun one. Well, I mean, it's kind of a horror movie. What do you kind of think it's about? Um, don't mess with uh, old uh, uh, gypsy women because they will curse you and you will go to hell. Funny enough, it's uh, not really funny, but interesting <laughs> enough. It's about eating disorders. So the main character, Christine, was a chubby child, and she lies about her eating habits. The demons vomit on her and yeah, force things down so her nasty. throat. When she tries to eat, the food becomes horrifying. No one else can see what's happening to her. Oh, That's fascinating. Wow. It almost makes me want to watch it just to kind of see how they did it. So you the never did time, see it, right? Mm-mm. It's Sam Raimi. It's fun. It's slapsticky. You'll have a great time, he says, as <laughs> is, he's trying to get her to watch it. Is Bruce oh. Campbell in it? Uh, unfortunately not, no. but there's still a lot of fun stuff. He might be in it somewhere, uh, but not as a main No role. chainsaw? Uh, I don't believe there's a chainsaw involved, but oh. it's been a while since I've seen it. Um, do you guys remember that it wasn't that great? It was Josie and the Pussycats at Tara Reid, well, Rosario I, Dawson, Rachel Leah Cook, who's I nowhere now. I remember that they did that. 
I, I remember watching because I liked reading <laughs> Archie and Josie and the Pussycat comics. Oh, so uh, you did see it. And it was like in that time where I was a preteen or a teenager. And so like all the different things like it whiffs of sellout or just teenagers to be uh, individuals instead of herd like consumers ironically in doing so it contains more product placements than any movie ever. This is, these are uh, actual reviews. Yeah. Rationalizes its own product placement by using overkill. The wall to wall product placement in the film means that Josie wants to sell its cake and eat it too. However, Josie and the Pussycats was intended to be a spoof of the music industry and selling out of entertainment. The mu- movie was never never received a dime from the product placement. So some people, some of the movie's fiercest critics didn't even get the joke. Yeah. And a lot of the times you will miss out on those things. Now I have a question. Is Starship Troopers on this list? Let me check. Nope. 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 Crap. Well, anyway, what? go watch Starship Troopers and um, realize that it's a satire on fascism and maybe look at it as if, hey, maybe those big bugs and all those different bugs, maybe they're not just evil bugs bent out to take over the world. Maybe they have their own personalities and maybe, you know, through the usage of possibly fake news and other, you know, mm-hmm. nationalism and all of that stuff is getting people to do their part, see it as the satire it is. And then maybe you'll get that joke. Did you ever see The Happening? No. It, it's the one with oh, uh, it's it's M. Night Shyamalan with no. Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark plants killing Marky. everyone. Which everyone. Well, like, everyone's killing themselves because plants and pollen. Uh, so everyone's like, oh my God. Like, a lot of people really didn't like anything M. Night Shyamalan did until he came out with Split. And yeah. I think this was like Signs was the last good thing, quote unquote. Some people would quote argue unquote, he did. Man, it wasn't great I mean, I liked it. And yeah, I'm afraid of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But Split was pretty awesome. Um, but from its inception, the happening was never supposed to be taken seriously or to be good. It was the result of M. Night Shyamalan just wanting to create a modern B, modern day B movie in line with cheesy horror and paranoia mm. films of the 50s and 60s, like The Birds and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Which kind of makes sense even with the name. I mean, The Happening. Right. And critics and moviegoers never got the memo. Like, they didn't get it. Well, they're expecting M. Night to do a big twist. Right. And it's, sometimes I his mean, movie's not going to follow that formula. Aliens. Hmm. Wait for it. <laughs> Water. Oh, it's all about the water, man, or everything is connected. Last one that I'll go through. American Psycho. Uh, It's with Christian Bale where he kind of goes nuts. Yeah, it talks about Huey Lewis. The book is a phenomenal read as well. A whole lot of plastic. A whole lot of plastic. Um, Yeah, so one of the most hated movies and book by feminists everywhere because of the violence against women. Yeah. Activist groups protested its filming. Product companies didn't want, quote unquote, didn't want to be associated with anything so horrible. Described by critics as the most disgusting film of the year or a how-to <laughs> how manual on the torture and dismemberment of women. American Psycho was definitely a difficult movie to be made and a hellish nightmare for the marketing team. But what every critic apparently failed to understand was that it was a satire of the violence. Mm-hmm. It was clearly intended as a critique of male misogyny, not an endorsement of it. Yeah, and uh, the, the biggest problem with all of those is that, well, if you don't, if everyone doesn't get the joke... It's not that the joke is bad. It's that maybe you need to work a little bit better with that. But also dealing with Brett Easton Ellis's work. Uh, this is a man who uh, wrote a quote unquote autobiography that was a fiction. I'm <laughs> using quotes here about how much cocaine he did. Uh, oh. So you got to take everything he does with a grain of salt to whether it's true or it's not. Well, until next time, guys, stay nerdy.